Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. This is Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki with Jonathan Hoppy with you until 10 o'clock on this Saturday morning. A busy, busy Saturday here for Syracuse. We've got a little football, some basketball as well. SU taking on Louisville down at Papa John's and then... Later on today, SU taking on Texas Southern at the Dome. And then later on in the show today, we're going to talk to Buddy Bayheim as well as oh, Brendan yeah. Paul. So that should be a lot of fun. I talked to them earlier a couple weeks ago, and we'll get you all of that later on in the show. But first, be sure to follow us on Twitter, SoundCloud, Facebook, Orange Fizz. Get all the latest from us, as well as find us on iTunes at Orange Fizz. You'll get all the latest FizzCasts, as well as full Fizz Radio episodes like this one and all of our exclusive interviews like the one we're about to air later with Buddy and Brendan. But first, we'll start with Football, since that's the first sport of today, coming up at 3.30, SU taking on Louisville. A pivotal, pivotal game. But I want to rewind a little bit back to Wake Forest. This is a disappointing loss, to say the least. 64-43, to the final there. And if Zach Mahoney's going to go out there and get you 43 points, you're probably expecting to win this game. But at the same time, I mean, this is a tale of two halves right here. It was just ugly, ugly, ugly in that second half. Mahoney only 87 yards to go along with a pair of interceptions, two of which came at crucial points in the ball game. Overall, this uh, Zach Mahoney is who you want as a backup quarterback because performances like this should get the job done, but you need to play two halves of football if you're going to win a football game. When they talk about the tale of two halves, Tyler, from now on, they should By just By the way, talk... I hate that cliche. Well, I don't because it's Wake Forest and it's Syracuse and it's a game was played last week. I mean, it's literally, it's not a cliche in this instance because it was literally two separate halves. Your offense scored three points in the second half. You got two off Scoop Bradshaw, Scoop and Score. No Unacceptable. pun intended. And Tyler, it's great to be here with you this morning. Thank you to everyone who's listening. And I will say, it's been a fun season of Syracuse football for guys like you and I. Right, It's been very eventful. There's been a lot of highs and a lot of lows. A lot of hot-button topics all season long. If you're in the locker room, though, not a season you've enjoyed too much because just when you thought you were on top of the world, you just beat number 2 Clemson at home. Parents weekend at SU, the place was packed. Morale was so high. Dino Babers was getting rumored to be a big-time head coach at a big-time program, and that's in a distant rearview mirror right now. You got outscored 40 to 5 in the second half. That's not going to win you football games and uh while nope. Mahoney did not look sharp at all in the in the final 30 minutes of this game. I mean, this is a defensive implosion. Uh, I mean, John Wolford that that run pass option just tore Syracuse apart. You can't say enough about that and it's going to be the same thing this week. Lamar Jackson is just John Wolford on steroids. This is this could get ugly for Syracuse against a Louisville team that, yes, it's not the, the Cardinals squad that we expected coming into the year, but they've been better as of late, and, and quite frankly, uh, Louisville is just the more talented team top to bottom. I mean, you got the, the stars, you got the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, and then you're coming off a win last week against Virginia, 38-21. to The Cavaliers have been a good team this year. Louisville, okay, they lost to Wake Forest. So that kind of makes this argument confusing. 
But at this point in the ACC... It was ACC, a lot closer, though. No, it was. And at this point in the ACC, a team like Louisville, they could really lose any game. But that team that's going to beat them has to be better than what Syracuse was last week. Let's talk about that for a second. 64 points allowed. I thought that was in the rearview mirror. I thought we weren't going to deal with that again. The defense has been so good this year, but last week against the Demon Deacons, oh, deja vu to the pit game to close out last season. Yeah, it was awful. It was worse than the pit game because you couldn't keep Ugh. up offensively. But, I mean, th- this is going to be an interesting one today for, for Syracuse and Louisville. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Be sure to follow us at Orange Fizz. Get all of our reactions and analysis to the Cardinals and the Orange later on today. Now, Eric Dungy, status up in the air once again. This is probably going to be a similar situation to last week where we don't know up until about game time. And quite frankly, I don't know how truthful this is, but Zach Mahoney, he came out and said, I didn't know I was starting until 14 minutes before the game. Now, I'm going to buy into that because he said 14 minutes on the dot and... Seems pretty precise. Quite frankly, I don't know why you're keeping track like that, but, I mean, something was calculated there. (laughs) Might have been a little bit nervous, I would say. exactly. And uh, you you can't have that. You should know going into Saturday who's your starting quarterback. Yeah, Because Eric Dungy knows Saturday morning whether or not he can play. Well, listen, if the starting quarterback is not Eric Dungy today, trouble for Syracuse. I think we saw last week a good first half. And then the implosion with Mahoney at the helm, that's not going to be good for him and his confidence and, frankly, the confidence of the entire team in an imposing environment. We've seen this so many times. Syracuse can't win the road game. They just can't do it. And if Eric Dungy's not your starting quarterback, the chances of them doing it against Louisville go down to basically nothing. Well, look at it this way, too. I mean, Er, or rather, Zach Mahoney has gotten zero defensive support when he's been out there. So you kind of feel for the guy. Over his last two starts, it's the pick game that closes out the year last year, and then it's the Wake Forest game. Uh, correct me if my math is wrong because I am doing this on the spot, but that's 140 points your defense has allowed. It's a lot. It's too many. <laughs> over two games. It's that is too a 70-point-per-game average. That needs to sure up. That was, that, that was a monstrosity. The the pick game was just on another level, and, and now you're going to face a Louisville team that is better than either of the, the Pitt or the Wake Forest teams that you have faced the last two times that Zach Mahoney has started. No doubt. And I think this is a thing, Tyler. I played football back in high school. Everyone knows about that quarterback position. QB1, they call it. Your quarterback, that's a leader of your football team. And as you know, football is such a competitive game. It's such a team-oriented sport. When that leader goes down... It's not that you don't like the backup, but it's like, wait, my guy's not playing. So it's almost like, I still want to play, but there's a little less incentive because I'm not playing for my quarterback, the guy that was essentially drop-kicking people against Miami. You you, uh, you pull a little T.O. and have some tears when your quarterback goes down? Yeah, Back my quarterback day. actually ran the football a lot. And as an offensive lineman, that's an even bigger deal to have your quarterback be your guy. When the backup comes in, it's just not the same thing. But that's, I, I promise you, it, it's a bigger deal than people think, and I think that's something that has to be evaluated. You can't measure it, obviously, but if Dungy's in this game against Louisville, not only is the Orange going to think they have a better shot of winning, but they're going to play better because Dungy's there. Their guy is there. He's the leader of this team. He's the face of the team. Now, this is interesting because 
Dungy's situation status up in the air. Um, Zach Mahoney, he's the backup right now. But if Eric Dungy's, let's say, 70%, and you're Dino Babers, keep in mind you need two wins to get into a bowl game. That right now seems to be the barometer for success moving forward, especially after the Clemson win. People think that if you don't get to a bowl game, this season is a failure. Are you playing Eric Dungy at 70%? knowing that's the case because especially with what appears to be an ankle and a knee injury uh, it's is it, it's not worth it i mean you're taking away the, know, the dimension of the game that he is so successful with and what makes him the quarterback that he is out there i don't think you can play a 70% eric dungy well you got to ask yourself is 70% of eric dungy better than 100% of zach mahoney and i think there's or not a misconception, but people go in with a notion that Mahoney can't run the football. He made some nice runs last game against Wake Forest, but I don't think he's going to go out. He's not a guy that Louisville's going to game plan for as a runner and be afraid when he does try to use his legs a little bit. Because, yes, he's going to pick up some spot yardage here or there, but, I mean, Eric Dungy at 70%, I I don't know. Is it worth it, or do you want a hundred percent healthy Eric Dungy, knowing that you might be able to squeeze in at five and seven if you can beat BC, who is now without their quarterback for the remainder of the season? Okay, you got to look at it this way. Does Syracuse think they can beat Louisville? I don't think Syracuse has a shot in this game with or without Dungy. I've been fooled so many times. You and think it, they have no shot? I don't think they have a significant chance. No, I don't think this team is ready to take that step and win on the road. And with a banged-up Eric Dungy, I think it's next to impossible. So even if Dungy plays, you can't expect him to be 100%. And to me, it would take 100% of Eric Dungy to win this game. They're just not a road team, Tyler. And that's certainly been the case this year. A goose egg on the road so far for Syracuse They've been football. close, though. They have been close. None of, the, none of the road losses have come by double digits, and that's encouraging because, I mean, all Is those it? teams... I, it's got to be encouraging, I think it's right? kind of overblown. I mean... Close but no cigar, to throw another cliche in there at you. If you're not going to win the football game, who really cares? Yes, but you look at where this team is. They're young, and you go to Death Valley down at LSU. That's a tough, tough game to play. Then you go to NC State, a team that's probably better than LSU, and that's off a back-to-back right there. Miami, you hang tough with a team that could be going to a college football playoff spot, and they've looked really sharp lately especially after that Notre Dame win. And then Florida State, let's let's be frank, even without DeAndre Francois, they're the better team on paper. Just to throw it in there, kind of surprised that Miami's number three and Clemson ranked ahead of them at two. Yeah, that that is interesting to me. And I think Syracuse, you almost think that should be the barometer between those two teams. I mean, that should be the deciding factor. Miami beat them, Clemson didn't. I don't care where the games were played. Right, and they say Auburn is the deciding factor for Clemson, but... Miami just handled Notre Dame, who had been great and still is a good team. But anyways, I think that's a little foolish, but that'll get played out down the stretch here. All right, coming up next, we'll preview some hoops. SU Texas Southern, our preview coming up next. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Back on Fizz Radio, Tyler Aki and Jonathan Hoppy. SU and Texas Southern doing battle in the Dome later on today. That's coming up at 7 o'clock. You can get all the Fizz's analysis of that one by following us on Twitter at Orange Fizz. We'll give you... Live updates throughout the game. Let us know what's going through the minds 
of Fizz Nation while that game's in progress. Now, SU off to a, a solid start so far, 2-0 on the season. They wax Cornell in the opener, and then they beat Iona by a pretty narrow margin in game number two. But that is a good Gales team, and I want to backtrack a little bit to that Gales game. Syracuse, they come out of the gate. Everyone's talking about these starts that Syracuse needs to have, and, and they didn't have it against Cornell. They didn't have it in either of the preseason games. But Syracuse actually gets off to a solid start against Iona, then kind of trails out a little bit. But that second half, Ty's battle grew up. That was a performance right there. I mean, this is a guy who he puts up 23 in the second half. I mean, he's been unbelievable to start this season, a career-high 28 on that game. And really, he's stepping into this leadership role pretty nicely, in my opinion. I know so much is being put on his shoulders as just a sophomore. There's not a lot of upperclassmen on this team, but Battles, it looks like he can shoulder this load so far. He's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Make no mistake about it. Not only is Battle a big-time NBA prospect, but he's also in charge of carrying the Syracuse team. Now, 2-0 Syracuse is. Don't take that for granted. That's a great start for the Orange. In Tyus Battle, he's been the reason why. He was huge in the second half. As you talked about, 23 points in the second half, carried his team, pulled away from Iona, a team that was really playing Syracuse close for a lot of the game. Got to like what you see from him. And after the game, he talked about how much better he feels out on the court, just a lot more confident and something you would hopefully, you know, see throughout the season. A couple of things, too. I... Barama Sidibe, not as impressive. I'm I'm not worried yet, I would say, but no. certainly not the performance that we've seen out of him in as in the past. I, I think that's only going to come with time, though. He still needs to get his feet under him. He just looks a little slow, and I think that's normal for a freshman, but that'll pick up as, as the games move on and he gets more used to it. And then come ACC play, after you've played a team like Kansas, a team like Maryland, Georgetown, UConn, that should all be kind of second nature. I think he'll be up to speed by then. But one other freshman has actually really impressed me so far, and I didn't think this would be the guy to do it. Marek Dolajai. Absolutely. That guy's been scrappy lately. And in these two games, I mean, this was a guy we had no idea what to expect out of him going forward. Uh, he was just a giant unknown, but... He's shown that he's going to be a quality piece of this puzzle so far through two games, averaging 7.5 points. But the, the big number for me is the rebounds. Six rebounds per game. Um, he, he's been good with those tip-ins right around he's the He's a rim. junkyard dog. And just turning those into points, he has been, I don't even know, I'm trying to think of, of a Syracuse player who surprised me like this. Well, if you think about the game against Iona, it was Tyus Battle. He mm -hmm. was the reason they won. Right. After that, Probably Morek Dolajai. I mean, really, he came in in the second half. Those offensive rebounds gave so much energy to his team all over the offensive glass, and that's something we're going to see all season long. He's been a pleasant surprise, and he's not very heavy. You know, he doesn't weigh very much. He's, and that's going to be maybe a challenge moving <laughs> he's pretty forward skinny. once he starts to go up against some of these bigger ACC-type guys. I want to see how he performs against Maryland in about a week because that's the game that's going to kind of show us, is he ready for major Division One basketball. Well, I think we're seeing he's going to be a big part of the rotation. I mean, the rotation is already being formed right now. Howard Washington didn't play much against Iona. Didn't play at all, I think. Did he not get in the game? He did not, no. Yeah, so that's something to watch for. Geno Thorpe, in the words of Jim Beheim, was terrible. I don't um, know if we're seeing much Geno Thorpe moving forward. I don't think we're going to. 
No. A- after that game, I don't know if it's his health or what, but at this point, if if it's not his health, he could be in for a long season. Well, on the Frank bench Howard played all 40. I mean, you think that's right. going to hold up? Uh, year three under Bayheim, yes, I do. I think he's at that point now, and as long as he's not turning the ball over, I mean, he's averaging three turnovers per game. That's not good. But the four assists is all right to start the season. His scoring's up. His score, like, he, he looks confident he looks with better. that shot. He does. He looks, he looks confident. Better. He's starting to get to the basket a little more. The game seems to have slowed down a little bit for him. If you're Frank Howard, you see Geno Thorpe, and you see Coach Beheim really go after him after the game, got to feel pretty good about that, right? You're no longer that guy. You're now the yeah. starting point guard. You play the whole game. You're pretty efficient. Would have liked to see him do a little more in the second half, but he was passing the ball around, and obviously Tyus Battle was doing most of the scoring. But you got to feel good that you're not Geno Thorpe anymore. If you needed a constant confidence boost, if you're Frank Howard, I think you get one now that Geno Thorpe's sort of that guy taking over his role from last year. And he's also been pretty scrappy in the steals department, tied for the lead with three. So I think it's safe to say Frank Howard has finally cemented himself. And really, it comes as a result that there's no one else. No, but I will say this, Tyler. Frank Howard needs to do a better job keeping control of the basketball. He's got to take better care of it. Too many sloppy turnovers. I'm thinking about one play now about midcourt where Howard sort of just lost the ball and then went diving for it into the scorer's table. He's got to be a little crisper with that because his turnovers, the Orange can't have it. They really can't. He's got to be efficient as a ball handler, and he can't lose the ball. He's got to, you know, this team's going to be struggle. They're going to struggle to score a lot. Shooting is not their strong point. So turnovers, wasted opportunities, wasted shots. And when you're not going to score on every possession or most of your possessions, you got to take advantage when you can. Well, you're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki, Jonathan Hoppy. Now, Jonathan, let's look forward to today's game, Texas Southern. Now, you've probably never heard of Texas Southern, and you see an 0-3 record. They play in the SWAC, which, by the way, might be the best conference name in all of college basketball, but that's another story. 0-3 for a SWAC team. You're thinking... That's nice. You're thinking, though, okay, easy, easy win. No, it's you not. You can't be, though. It's not, because you see 0-3, but this team challenges itself in its non-conference slate so far. I'm just going to read you who they've played so far and who they're playing in the future. Gonzaga to start the season, a ranked team. Then you play Washington State. Then you go to Ohio State. So there's three power con- three power five teams to start the season. Now you got Syracuse. Then you go to Kansas and then you go to Clemson. Then you play Oakland, Toledo as a part of this Hoopal Invitational. Then you play Oregon and Baylor and TCU. My goodness. Those are all Keep Power going. 5 teams. <laughs> and then you get into to your conference play and they're they're the favorite to win the whole their the SWAC. So you're not really concerned about that. So why not challenge yourself in the non-conference schedule? And, and someone they, was thinking that. And they almost beat a Washington State team. Keep in mind, all these games are coming on the road. Yes, some of them aren't pretty. You lose by almost 30 to Gonzaga, almost 20 to Ohio State. But you cut it close with Washington State. And quite frankly, for a team like this that pretty much knows it's getting into the tournament with an automatic bid, barring something ridiculous happening, you're going to have some of those wins against teams that you might play later on in the tournament. So this is a team that will probably get in with, let's say, about, I don't know, 12 losses, 12-ish losses, and that's going to be good enough, and they're going to be battle-tested. 
Yeah, I think this game is all about Syracuse. I don't really care about Texas Southern because for right, Syracuse— and, and that's right. That's the right approach to have going into this right, game. Right, and I, I sound like a head basketball coach. I sound like a cliched old man. But at the end of the day, Syracuse can't be that team to overlook opponents like this because you got to ask yourself, who is Syracuse? I mean, other than Tyus Battle, who's a big-time prospect on this team? There's not much recognition there, and just because the Orange is 2-0, that's no reason to celebrate. They should be 2-0. Right. It's good that they are, but now that they are, what do you do from here? I think this is where you put yourself in the next class. If You, you need to go out and win this game by 20 points because that's what Gonzaga did. That's what Ohio State did. You need to go out and prove that you can be at least in that class right there. If you want to be taken seriously this season, you have to to go out and just do not take your foot off the gas in this game. Not only to be taken seriously, but let's talk about the NCAA tournament. Obviously, that's the goal here. If Syracuse wants to make it back to the big dance after missing last year, they've got to win essentially every game that they're, quote, supposed to win. And then they've got to win some more. There is no margin for error at all. Syracuse and Texas Southern coming up tonight. That's at 7 o'clock. Be sure to follow us at Orange Fizz for all the latest analysis on Twitter. We'll have that for you throughout the game. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki, Jonathan Hoppy coming up on the other side. We got a good conversation coming up for you. I talked with Buddy Bayheim and Brendan Paul, the two Brewster boys. They're coming to Syracuse next year. Buddy joining his dad, Brendan, a preferred walk-on on the team. We'll have that conversation for you on the other side. This is Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260, Tyler Aki with you here until 10 o'clock this morning, and we've got a special treat right now. We just finished talking about Syracuse basketball, and now let's look forward to the future. Joining us now on the program, it's Buddy Bayheim and Brendan Paul. They're teammates at Brewster Academy, and they're coming to Syracuse in this class of 2018. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. And first, I got to ask, how does it feel to finally put the pen to the paper? Buddy, I'll start with you. Uh, I'm just really excited. You know, I'm just excited to get down there, but I know I got a year of prep school first, but just really getting ready for it and ready for the for the times to come in the upcoming four years and just really getting prepared for that. Yeah, we got business to handle here first. Um, the goal is to get a ring, obviously, at Brewster, and then once we get done with that, you know, taking the next four years of our basketball lives and turning them into the best we can be at Syracuse. I think it's going to be a huge thing for both of us. And I know Brewster has has this great reputation with Syracuse. A lot of former Orange players have gone there before. How much is Syracuse pushed at Brewster? Oh, Coach Smith is always talking about the connection and all the guys that he's had come through there and some stories about those guys. And he's, he's really, him and my dad have a close connection and good relationship, and they both speak very highly about each other. Yeah, I was just going to touch on that, too, um, that both of the coaches have a good relationship and that they really do speak highly of each other. Um, and, like, from what I've heard from Buddy, that's, like, the main reason that he came here is because of Coach Coach Smith and, like, his dad trusting Coach Smith and allowing Buddy to have, like, that ability to come here and be ready for the next year next year's at Cuse. And that was the same with me, too. Um, I When I first met Coach Smith, when he first started recruiting me last year, um, I had I just knew right away that he was a good guy and he meant well for all of us. So I think that um, 
that connection between Cuse and Brewster is a big one. Now, did you two know each other before you guys met at Brewster? Um, we knew of each other just because like the EYBL and stuff, but we'd never played against each other or anything. Um, but when coach tweeted out that, like, cause I committed before buddy did when coach tweeted out that buddy was coming here, we, we kind of had a sense that we were going to be like the two shooters on the team. Um, and that playing together was going to be huge for us both on the court and off the court. And then just getting a, like be, having our relationship develop over the past, like, seven, eight weeks, and then me committing to Cuse after he did. Um, I think that was a huge part in our friendship as, friendship as well. Yeah, like Brendan said, I knew he was a shooter, and I get along with shooters, so I knew we'd have a good connection just from that. Who's the better shooter? Uh, I'd say me. <laughs> I'll, gi- I'll give that one to Buddy. I'll give yeah? That one to buddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so do you guys have shooting competitions all the time and stuff like that in practice? Not not as much as you'd think, but we've had some competitions here and there. We played one on ones a lot, um, and I've beat him. All, I've beat him one on one, you know, a couple, yeah, times. A couple but, of times. But he gets the majority of the wins. Also, I'll give him that as well. Big majority. That's <laughs> nah, not a big majority. So you guys, your roommates at Brewster, you're rooming together next year at Syracuse. How close have you two grown together over these past couple of months? Uh, you know, we're really close. This is like my basketball brother that I never really had back home, like someone to work out with and just talk to about things. And I'm really excited for not just this year, but the next four years we have. And I know that he's going to be with me through the whole way, no matter what happens. Yeah, I'd have to second that as well. That's exactly what I was going to say, actually. So for Buddy, you didn't play with Jimmy a lot? Uh, I mean, we would, but like if we would play one-on-one, it'd go into like a fight or something. So <laughs> we kind of stopped doing that after after a while. Did Dad have to break bad. those up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it got bad. Talking with Buddy Bayheim and Brendan Paul here on Fizz Radio. And now, for both of you, um, I'll start with Buddy. What do you think is the biggest transition from Brewster Academy to college? Uh. Honestly, I think that it's not as big of a difference from going from, like, a public school like I was last year to college because this is really, like, a bit not as big of a gap between this and college because you're playing with eight or nine Division One players that can all are, all are ready to play right now. And I think that that's really just the main point there and says a lot about Brewster. Yeah, if you look at our roster, I mean, we've got nine kids that are already committed to, like, top 25 D1 schools, and then we've got another – that are just waiting to commit that will also be at like higher mid-major D1. So, I mean, when you're playing against the best talent in the country every day, you're clearly like going to develop more and be ready for college instead of like remaining at the school you were at because you don't necessarily have all that talent to be around all the time. And now this question's for Brendan. I know your preferred walk-on and a lot of these schools, some of them have these huge walk-on cultures. The thing with Monmouth a couple years ago with the crazy bench celebrations. What are you hoping to bring to the walk-on culture at Syracuse? Yeah, so actually today um, we played. We went by like 25, and I decided that I'd bring up the towel for the first time today. Um, So I I wore my towel around my waist in warm-ups, and then uh, I brought it out on the bench. I just... I just love to get everybody hyped before we play and while we play. Uh, get under the team's skin on the bench, too, for sure, because um, I don't start at Brewster. Um, so I kind of just try to keep everybody amped up 
uh, while we're playing, even if, you know, we go down or when we're up by 20 and coach still wants us to keep playing hard. And my main goal is to just make everybody better. And then for, for Buddy, I know you had a couple other offers out there, but I'm sure Syracuse was the dream school from the start. How strongly did you consider some of the other schools that offered you? Uh, I mean, once I realized that I could, I was good enough to play at Syracuse, I I just thought about Syracuse really. It was no other school. It didn't, didn't matter who it was. I've always wanted to play for Syracuse my whole life, and that's really all I was looking at. And, and when did your dad start talking to you about possibly playing at Syracuse? Oh, probably after my senior year of high school and then more more and more during AU and after like a couple of good games and stuff, and after a lot of people started realizing uh, that I could play. And now the question that I think is on everyone's mind, when did you learn the 2-3 zone? Uh, probably since I was about like eight or nine, just <laughs> watching watching games with my dad and him telling me stuff, just little things about it, and I learned more and more and picked up on it. And, and have you taught Brendan it at all yet? Uh, not yet. We'll, we'll work on that after the season. <laughs> we play some 2-3 in practice, and I play at top of the zone. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been killing the top of the zone on the defense. You know, yeah, I, so. I'd agree. I'd agree. So, so uh, I've got some bearings on it, but <laughs> not the Coach Beheim bearings. Not yet. Right. So, so, buddy, what exactly is it about the, the Syracuse 2-3 zone that's so different from the 2-3 you guys play at Brewster? Uh, I mean, they just recruit. Like, that's how they recruit. They're going to recruit guys that are made for the zone. They have the length and the positions. And then just little things that they have here and there, different traps, different, like, scenarios for it, and different, like, spots for, like, on the where on the court, where to guard. That's just where it's different, and that's just what they do. It's what they're known for. I know, I mean, your dad's obviously a huge legend around this area. The Syracuse area has been here for over 40 years now. Um, he's also got some of his quirks and antics. Have you told Brendan about any of those? And if so, what are they? Uh, yeah, I told him. I just told him, really, he's just like any other coach. Really. He's going to get on you. He's going to yell at you. But he just really looks into He wants you to play hard no matter what at all times. And that's really his biggest and taking his biggest pet peeve probably as a coach. And, and Brendan, are you ready for that? Oh, yeah. Um, I had a pretty crazy high school coach um, back in Ohio, and he would yell at you for the smallest things, um, even if he like, necessarily didn't even mean well. So, like, it's also different when a coach is yelling at you and you believe in what he's saying, um, and especially coming like hearing – Coach Bayheim say gets on me in practice. Like I know what he's saying is the right thing because I mean he's got over a thousand wins and he's one of the best coaches ever. So whatever he says goes. And like if he gets on me for something, like I'm totally just gonna take that, listen to it, move on, and do what he says. You're listening to Fizz Radio now, joined by Buddy Bayheim and Brendan Paul. And, and now, Buddy, I know last Friday's game was a huge one in your family. Who were you rooting for? Uh, obviously I was. Rooting Syracuse, but you know, I obviously wanted to get my brother to get get some buckets here and there, and I'm happy he did. But I'm also happy he got the SU got the W. And what was your reaction when you saw he hits that first one right in front of your dad? <laughs> I was laughing. I'm not gonna. I was just first of all, it was just weird seeing him out there after going to games for them for 10, 15 years, and then him hitting the three in that corner right, right where he sits just makes it even even funnier, and I'm made me even happier for him. And that shot. 
I mean, you can't script that any better. I, th- I just thought that was unbelievable. Yeah, it was <laughs> for sure. Uh, and then there's a, I'd say a pretty high possibility you probably play against them at some point during your time at Syracuse. So what what are you anticipating in those battles? Yeah, I'll play next year, and I'm just, I don't know. Honestly, it's gonna be weird seeing him out there. But I know I'm just gonna treat him like any other player. And he's not gonna, I'm not gonna look at him as my brother out there and just try to beat them. Now, looking at your guys' entire class as a whole, the the 2018 recruiting class is, uh, it's. Pretty highly touted so far, Darius Baisley, Jalen Carey, and then you two. What's the general level of excitement amongst you guys for this 2018-19 team? Oh, I can't wait, really, just to get out there with Darius and Jalen, who are two great players, and then all the guys will have returning because we have such a young team this year. It's definitely going to be exciting. I think we're going to be a team to look out for in the future. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think our class is special. We've got a lot of length. We've got a lot of talent, and I like the four guys that we've got. We kind of have all spread out different games in a way, and so I think they'll all be able to complement each other as the years go on, too. And who have you guys talked to a lot on this current team that that'll probably be around next year that you've developed strong relationships with? Uh, Matt Moyer's definitely one. He's one of my close friends. He's always been like that with me. Um, Frank Howard, a good point guard. Uh, Howard Washington, Mike Shaver set, and really all the guys there I'm all close with. So I've all, I've built great relationships with everyone there. Yeah, I'm really close with um, Matt, Buddy. Matt and I have we have a group chat, so we talk in there a lot. Um, and then I made sure that I met Sean Belby and Braden when I was there too, so I could learn a little bit of tricks of the trades of being a walk on and what it's like and how to approach each day. Um, so I kind of, I guess I could say that I know Bellevue pretty well, along with Matt. And, uh, okay, so you guys both bring up Matt Moyer, and it seems like everybody loves that guy. What is it about him? Uh, he's just so outgoing. <laughs> he's so nice. I mean, you got to love him. He just makes the room alive. Like he makes his presence felt wherever he is, and you just got to love someone like that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I like I'd, I'd seen Matt play when I was in Ohio, but I never really knew him. And then when I was at Cuse for the Clemson game, that was like the first time I met him. But it's like I'd known him for literally my entire life. He was just so open and like charismatic and outgoing. And uh, we rushed the field with him, and I, that was like one of the funniest moments of my life because Matt is just like a goofball. But when he's on the court and when he's working out, he's straight serious. Like he's he's ready to get his work in. That goes for him in school too. He's a super smart kid as well. All right, guys, thanks so much for your time. Best of luck this season. We look forward to seeing you in Orange next year. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Great stuff there from both Buddy and Brendan. When we come back, we'll wrap it up how we always do. It's Fizz feedback. That's on the other side. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Okay, time to wrap things up here on Fizz Radio. Tyler Aki and Jonathan Hoppy will close the show how we always do. It's time for Fizz Feedback, where we take your comments, the polls, all that good stuff, and give a little reaction to it. So let's start here. We got an interesting comment on our season preview. Just our crystal ball that's on our website, orangefizz.net. Be sure to check out all of our content there. We always have new stuff, great stuff out there. And it comes from a character named Red. So, uh, not who you'd expect to see on a, on a Syracuse Orange blog, but well, we appreciate Red the different says, perspective. 
When the Blue Bloods like Duke, Kentucky bring in five freshmen, they're sure bets to win it all based on the most stupid rankings of ESPN. When it's the Orange, suddenly we're in for a long year. Don't know who any of you are, but you need to pull your heads out of your blank. I'll let you fill in the word for you right there. But basically what I gathered from that is Red we are stupid the fire. and we are flexible. But I, I, this, is ridic- this is a ridiculous comment that we got right here. <laughs> I mean, this is unbelievable because Duke and Kentucky, they brought in five freshmen, yes. But they also brought in five freshmen that are, are all world beaters. Marvin Bagley has a chance to be the number one overall pick. I don't know if you saw Kevin Knox the other night, but he looks legit. Yeah, not not a bad player. And, I mean, those, that's just the start of these classes for these guys, and it only gets better next year. Syracuse didn't bring in a single guy inside the top 100. Did they bring in an NBA player? They, no. I mean, O'Shea might eh. be an NBA player, but they, they didn't bring in any one-and-dones, and that's why we're saying that Syracuse could be in for a long year. Red, I'm sorry, you're wrong. You are flat-out wrong because, I mean, this isn't even close, and I, I get you want to have your homer approach right here, but, I mean, Duke and Kentucky are on another level. I'm sorry, and, and that kind of segues into our next Fizz Feedback it was red. It's actually coming off of a tweet that we put out, us being the, the snarky bloggers that we are. But Jordan Tucker, it, this is the tweet. I don't know if you saw that Duke and Michigan State game, but it's it's the Kermit sipping tea meme. And ah, we classic. tweeted out, Jordan Tucker played zero minutes for Duke tonight. Ten other Blue Devils saw the floor. So let, let's put mm. this into perspective. Duke brings in... Syracuse's biggest target towards the back end of their recruiting cycle. And it seems like at the last second, Tucker picks Duke. Tucker doesn't see the floor in a big game. Ten other guys did. Jordan Tucker would be not only the best recruit, but he could challenge Tyus Battle as the best player on this team. That just shows you what type of class Duke is in right now and what type of class Syracuse is in right now. There you go, Red. So I know that your face is probably red now after good friend Tyler here just kind of discredited your comment, but rightfully so because a lot of that doesn't make much sense, and I think that Jordan Tucker is a great example of that. Like you said, a guy that would be playing significant minutes, probably the second best player, if not the best player, doesn't even see the floor for Duke. I mean, how deep can you get? It's just one year after another. You lose Tatum and Giles, who weren't all that impressive in college, and you bring in guys that could be even better. It's unbelievable. you got to give credit to Coach Mike Krzyzewski. Something he's doing is working. Players are going to Duke, not UNC. And I just want to go through some of the comments in here because people are not happy with Jordan Tucker's decision. Uh, we see a couple uh, love it. What a joke. Worst decision ever. That comes from Dave Schusterman. Another, I was looking to see if he got redshirted, but didn't see anything online. No, Jordan Tucker has not decided to redshirt. And then Captain Patrick says, what a waste. But he spelled waste, W-A-I-S-T, kind of like his primary education right there. And then <laughs> and then I think the, the big one here, and, and it kind of sent me down a little rabbit hole, comes from Jonathan L. Dale. He won't play next year either, not with Reddish and Barrett coming down the street. Those are two of Duke's top recruits that are coming in next year. Both, I, I believe they're both top five guys. But well, They've probably got them lined up for the next four or five years. Yeah. Is Tucker going to transfer? And I think that's something that's interesting because you'd have to guess Syracuse is very high on his list if he were to 
flip schools. Well, let's say it is early, right? right. Just one mm-hmm. game in. We'll see how the season plays but, out. But, but basically, we have seen he is not going to play in big games. I don't know if you could come back to Syracuse. If you're the Orange, do you open up your arms? I think you have to. You at least extend the offer. You, you test the waters a little bit. Maybe I'd not say... full-on extend him an offer, but I, I think he's definitely going to be in consideration. Well, not to go out singing, but I think there's bad blood there, and I don't really think you can revisit that. But, I mean, I'm sure fans would love to have him. No doubt about that. All right, that's the story for another day. For Jonathan Hoppy, I'm Tyler Aki. Be sure to follow us on Twitter for this busy Syracuse Sports Day at Orange Fizz. You'll also get all of our web content on orangefizz.net. We'll have stuff for you throughout the entire day. Enjoy the Texas Southern game. Enjoy the Louisville game. And have a great Saturday, Cuse Nation.